Good afternoon, Facebook friends, family. We are so blessed and excited about um, our interview today. Just wanted to say hello to everyone. I know yesterday we had some technical difficulties, but we are back and better than ever today. So welcome to Sharp Talk, Dad. I know you are personally overzealous about our interview today. So tell us what's on your heart. What you're I am so to. excited. I am so excited. We're interviewing an iconic uh, figure. Uh, a guy that uh, was a hero of mine as a young pup in the NFL. He's a Hall of Famer and uh, and is so excited. This is going to be a true joy for me to just pick his brain and, and get some of his insights that hopefully all of us that are listening and viewing can glean from and, and possibly implement in our lives as we strive to become better people, better employees, better husbands and mothers, whatever it is that we want to be better. Go ahead, Rebecca. All righty. So without further ado, we are going to go ahead and bring on Mr. Dwight Stevenson. Good Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Lewis and Rebecca, uh, good to see you guys, and I appreciate you guys inviting me on today. Thank you. What a joy. What a joy. One of the uh, most iconic figures, uh, known Hall of Famer, Dwight Stevenson, and I was telling our viewing audiences how excited I was. How much joy I have in my heart to have you on uh, Sharp Talk with my daughter, Rebecca, and I. Um, and I, you and I were talking before the show, and I was telling you that when I was drafted as a first-round draft pick out of UCLA in 1982 by the then St. Louis Cardinals, we used to watch Miami Dolphin end zone tapes of uh, your offensive line. And as an offensive tackle, we're supposed to watch our position, the offensive tackle position, but we would find the entire offensive line group, the guards, the centers, the tackles, and we would look at, at number 57. Stevenson, look at this cat. This guy was explosive. He was athletic. He was tenacious. Um, thank you again for being with us. Have, let me tell you, Lewis, I appreciate what you're saying there. And, uh, you know, and I tell you what, I played the game is uh, – hard and uh, and I hope I, I when I left the game I didn't want to say hey I wish I had did it this way I did it that way and stuff but I had a I had a great time and I played with some great guys and I appreciate you also saying some of the things like you know you you being a young guy coming up you watched me and hopefully I and you know gave you some good I mean showed you some things that helped you in your career and stuff it meant a lot to be you know where, where people say when when players say something like that to me I appreciate it and I appreciate you saying it too and Lewis, I watched you. I remember when you came out and stuff, and I watched your career, and and uh, you were out there at the Cardinals and stuff. Uh, you did a great job, and, uh, you, and again, I'm I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you, thank you. What a, again, what a, what a joy. And I gotta I gotta ask you this question because I I was again we were talking earlier, and I I never saw you lose a block. You were dominant. You were dominant. What was it that made you such a domineering? I think you and Anthony Munoz. Uh, of, in our era, were the two most dominant offensive linemen that uh, that played. What mm -hmm. made you that that dominant at the center position? I mean, we. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be, and I'm not saying I ever was, but I, I mean, I tried to work at being the best best center or best player that I could possibly be, and be. Hopefully, the people felt I was the best player. Uh, but I, um, uh, you know, didn't like to lose. I mean, you know, every play. I went out there. I really tried to win, and uh, and uh, I didn't have any throwaway plays or anything. Any all those plays when I went out there, every play I really tried to win at, and uh, I didn't win it every time. <laughs> win every time, but I really tried to win every time and do do the best I can to 
help the team. I was, you know, in my play, I didn't necessarily have to be where my block turned out to be a great block and the play didn't work out. I wanted to do what worked for the play and so so my teammates benefit and the, you know the whole team. So, you know, I that's kind of that's where I get to sum up how how my career then my how I played the game. You did a phenomenal job, and uh, and I'm sure you influenced myself and Tootie Robbins. We were young rookies, and uh, we were just uh, amazed at your uh, your skill level and how well you perform your craft. And I'm sure you influence uh, players throughout the league. Um, Rebecca, I'll yeah, so I mean, I love the the rhetoric and the discourse that's happening between the two of you, but I'd like to take it back just a little bit. We heard more about your exceptionally explosive career, but if you wouldn't mind sharing with our viewers where you grew up, where you're from, what really shaped you and your love for football in your formative years? You know, I uh, again, uh, I grew up in Hampton, Virginia. I uh, born in North Carolina, a small town, Murfreesboro, North Carolina. And I, uh, my, my father moved the family when I was about five years eight, five years old, moved us to Hampton, Virginia. And he went to work in the shipyard there, you know, but I've had great role models all my life. I mean, my mother and my father, you know, I was blessed with two great parents and they were, they were, they were the right parents for us and stuff. My father worked, I would see him Saturday evening when he got off overtime working at the shipyard. There was a huge shipyard in New News, Virginia, which is right beside Hampton. And that's where he worked for like 35 years. My daddy would get up in the morning at seven, be, excuse me, be to work at seven, get off at four, be to his second job at five, get off at 12 wow. at night. And he didn't do that for three or four years. He did it for 35, 40 years and just oh. amazing. Wow. And my mother, yeah, she worked in the school cafeteria, got seven, seven, it was seven kids. And she got seven kids ready or you know, uh, oversaw it. And you know, the older ones kind of helped oh. the younger ones and all that. But you know, we I was blessed with great parents and stuff, and and uh, so that that was a real real important part I think of my my career there. And, stuff. and probably where you got your work ethic and right. your resilience from, right? Right, you got it and stuff. So then when I left uh, Hampton, I mean, again, you know, I played it played in a pretty good football uh, program there and stuff. I mean, we we were state champions and all that and stuff, and we we had some good players. That I played with some really good guys there too, and we had a lot of guys to go off to college and stuff and. And when I went off to Alabama, everybody saying that. You know, Alabama. Well, how did I go to Alabama? I'm going to tell yeah. you, they came there to recruit two other guys. They wanted two really? guys by the name of uh, one was Woodrow Wilson, and the other guy was Simon Gupton. And those are the two guys they really wanted. And I, my coach said, you know, y'all, uh, high school coach said, y'all to take a look at Dwight Stevenson. You know, he he's not gotten a whole lot of credit. And I didn't start playing until I was in 11th grade. So um, I. I didn't, not a, a lot of people didn't know about me so forth and so on. So anyway, they looked at me and they said, okay, they, they said they'd take all three of us. And anyway, I was the only one that went down to Alabama. And uh, and I, I didn't know if I made a mistake or not. I didn't know if I was good enough or whatever and stuff. But my dad always say, you know, he, he was kind, he was he was pretty aggressive. He he would go for things and stuff. So uh, he supported me there and my family uh, and went down there. And, you know, the work ethics that I learned from my mother and father. You needed that at the University of Alabama playing for Coach Paul Bear Bryant. Uh, yeah. You you got to be willing to work and make the sacrifice and and so forth and uh, realize that uh, that you know you, you you're there and don't embarrass your family and don't embarrass the school and so forth and so on. So I played there at the University of Alabama and had a great time and you know and then there like I said went down to the Dolphins again similar similar things you know Coach playing for Coach Bryant 
then go to play for Coach Shula. It was like, I don't know how that happened to me. But that was just like, it was a blessing. And, uh, you know, yeah. two great coaches and stuff. And he has some great teammates. And uh, so I've, I've been really blessed. Well, and you just kind of skirted over your time at Alabama because you were part of back-to-back championship teams and you're in their Hall of Fame as well. So we have to make sure we stop and celebrate all of the incredible accolades that you were able to garner even in college. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, University of Alabama, I came there again. They didn't – I came – I was 216 pounds, and they wanted me to play linebacker. And – and I thought I could play linebacker too, and and but they they hit it was it was a and I and I played center too as well and stuff um, you know on the on the JV team back then we had the JV team so they but they they really wanted me to play linebacker and uh, and then they had another guy that was all American second team all American that was Terry Jones you might remember him Lewis Sharp he played at played with the Green Bay Packers he's a little bit older than you but so he was a starting center and then this is how bold it was how what happened. Well, I was there at the University of Alabama. Here it is, Big T, Terry Jones, All American, or fixing to be All American, and they, Coach Bryant, makes the decision. He's all right. Dwight's going to start, okay? And they moved him to nose tackle, but because he wow. played nose, and then he wanted one of us to play defense, and, and and Terry Jones played defense a lot better than I played defense, and so they moved him over there, and the rest is history. Big T uh, did a great job, and you know. An unselfish move. He could have went over there and not did well, and they, of course, Brian then would have had no choice, kind of like but probably but, but to bring him back or whatever and stuff, but uh, he went over there and did a great job unselfishly, and, and you know, and then I played center position and was able to flourish there, and uh, so, but Alabama was a, was a great experience for me. I enjoyed playing for Coach Paul Bear Brian. He's, uh, you know, one of those guys that, <laughs> you know, you're glad you played for him, and and, and and when you're going through it, it's pretty tough. But once you go through it under everything, you're glad you went through it. You really are. So, so. so that's amazing. You mean they took the starting center, who was an All-American, and yeah. moved him to the nose tackle on defense so that you can become the, the starting uh, center. Right. They did that. And they didn't do it because I was that much better than I was better than T. They did it because he played. They wanted He wanted one of us to play defense. And they tried me at, at defense over there. And you got to understand, I mean, could I play inside linebacker? Probably outside linebacker. You know, you got to be almost like a running back. I mean, a t- uh, like a, uh, a defensive back almost. You know, you got to be real swift and nifty out there. Right, right. I wasn't that swift and nifty out there. But I, I was, yeah, but but I had a – Big T played the defense a lot better than I played defense. And uh, and we went on that year. I think uh, we did – the year that they did that, we lost one game. We lost to uh, Nebraska to open the game. Then we went undefeated and finished number two in the country and stuff. So, but Alabama was – that, that's tremendous. What a story that is. I had no yeah. idea uh, that happened. And that unselfishness and putting the team first mentality, yeah. I'm sure played a big part in the reason why you guys were national champions. Yeah. And that – you can see that a lot throughout Alabama football and stuff where guys unselfishly do things and stuff and the sacrifice. And if we really go out there and we work hard, we become almost like a family because we do depend on one another to make it because we'd be out there working and it would be like, you don't know if you can make it to somebody, you know, come on, man, we can do it. And, you know, kind of help you along and so forth and so on. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and coach Brian, he, he wanted to put you to the test to see if you're going to quit. And, uh, he always said, if you're going to quit, he wants you to quit on quit in practice, not in a game or whatever and stuff. So we worked. <laughs> and, yeah, 
but it was a good experience again like i said once i once i went through it i, I was glad i did it i, I really uh, helped mold me as a person yeah unbelievable unbelievable and speaking of molding i know that uh looking back i remember you and dan marino dan marino of course uh, is a hall of famer uh, same yeah. as you and i believe i believe arguably you and he are the greatest center quarterback combination um, in the history of, of the NFL. Your thoughts about that? You know, I think that Coach uh, Coach Shula always explained it, having a straight line down the middle, you know, having a solid middle linebacker, solid safety back there, calling plays in the, in the center on the defensive, on the offensive line, you know, and and, uh, and then the quarterback, you know, having down the, down the middle being strong. And uh, I think that uh, Coach you know, because before me, he had Jim Langer. Jim Langer, again, he was a Hall of Famer, and then Bob Greasy. But I think he liked that combination where, you know, he had pretty two two pretty good players right there and stuff. And uh, and I it was a real joy playing with Dan. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was – he was confident, and, and he still is and stuff. And uh, – and uh, but he was one of those guys that worked hard. And, uh, you know, he, he pressed – he would push people. And uh, and I like that part about him too and stuff. And uh, but he, but he's a great, great, great guy and stuff. And like I say, you said you know, when he was uh, just an example of him being unselfish. You know, he he was a uh, he was a union rep like you were, right? That's what he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't have to do that. I mean, Dan Marino. You know, he was he was a marquee player. He could right, right. man kind of take care of Dan, and he was fine and stuff. But he didn't. He put he put his career and everything on the line too. When you go in there, you're arguing with owners and. So forth and so on and stuff and uh but that's a, he unselfishly did that but he's one of the most unselfish and one of the hardest working guys that you that you find out uh find out here in life too good guy yeah, absolutely and and he was uh very opinionated and and always had the player's side and like you said he was a marquee uh, yeah. player uh, the face of of the nfl at the time he didn't have to be uh perform or uh representing the membership with the players association so i always uh looked up to him um, in that regard. And interesting, you say Shula was concerned about the middle. And yeah. from an offensive standpoint, you got to protect, you got to be solid in the middle, both run and pass. Right. That's, where it all, that's where it all starts. So that, I, make, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with you there, Steph. And because uh, in the middle, you can go left or right or whatever and stuff. You can get in, if you don't stop the play, you can get involved in this stuff. So you need to be able to control that middle there and stuff. Uh, and uh, we tried to do the best we could. Speaking of middle, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'll sure. digress uh, to my daughter. I talked to Michael Carter from the San Francisco 49er recently. We're hoping to have his daughter, uh, Michelle Carter, who's an Olympic uh, uh, gold medal winning shot puttist. But uh, I, I told Michael that I was shocked that he was not in the Hall of Fame. Three players from our era that I feel should be in the Hall would be he, Michael Carter, uh, 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 the defensive end, uh, Dexter Manley and um, Chris Hinton. And you played against Michael Carter. Uh, share with us your thoughts on he, he as, as a player. Right, I did. I played against Michael Carter, played against him in the Super Bowl there and stuff. He was a, he was a, what we call a load. <laughs> he, was a, he, he was very strong. He was agile, you know, quick. And, um, you know, he was, he was a player that I, you, you don't go in there. When you play games, you don't necessarily relax at all, but you got to know, you got to be sure of what you really want to do in that game and stuff. I, I don't want any question as what, like, third down situation, what we, 
like what we're going to call it. I kind of want some ideal and stuff, but I just wanted to be very, very sure of myself and stuff. And he's that kind of player that I, that sometimes I got to pay a lot of attention to him physically because he, he can do some things that if I don't, uh, if I make a mistake, he can really take advantage of me and stuff, yep. but a really good guy and stuff. And yes, I agree with you. He should be in the pro football hall of fame and stuff. And hopefully he gets in there and stuff. And, uh, and then guys like Dexter Manley, I mean, just Dexter was Dexter was unbelievable. Just a great guy and stuff. And uh, the talent that he brought to the field was was awesome. Chris Hinton, Chris Hinton, about hey, Chris, ten Chris, Chris again. He's he's like yourself. I'm telling you now that that tackle position. He was a load out there and stuff. He was a guy that uh, you know, and I saw him a lot because we played against him twice a year and stuff. And him and Ray Donaldson. I want to talk about Ray Donaldson in a minute too, but. Him and Ray Donaldson was very, very powerful, two powerful blockers, two of the most powerful blockers I feel uh, in the AFC East at the time. So, I mean, just two great players and stuff. And uh, and uh, and Chris, hopefully he gets in the Hall of Fame. And yourself too, I'm telling you. You got to get, you got to, you know, I don't, you know, sometimes you don't want to necessarily, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with promoting yourself, but you, some kind of way somebody needs to be speaking up and saying something and stuff, you know. That, well, well, I appreciate, I appreciate those, yeah. uh, those sentiments, uh, but yeah. I can tell you, bro, I'm in a hall of fame uh, in heaven that, that will never pass away. And, uh, and I'd much rather be in that hall, you know, and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant uh, at yeah. the end of my journey. <laughs> but I appreciate those very kind sentiments. Larry Lee says Dwight Stevenson is the man. <laughs> Larry Lee, I'm telling you, we played together. And he's a UCLA Bruin. He played with you there. And a really good guy and uh, quite a musician too now. And uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. Good guy oh. stuff. I, I ran into him probably, well, last Super Bowl, I think we were in Atlanta. But not the last one. It wasn't before that. We were in Atlanta, to, Atlanta together and stuff. And uh, really good guy. And if I can just take a moment, I mean, the guy named Ray Donaldson, a lot of people don't know about him and stuff, but yeah. he played with the Indianapolis coach, with the Baltimore coach, Indianapolis coach, and he's a second-round draft choice. And uh, he's a he's an offensive lineman, one of the best to ever play the game and stuff. And he, um, you know, should be pro football Hall of Fame too as well and stuff. He's he's actually the – he was drafted in the second round from the University of Georgia, and then I came shortly after that. I was drafted in the second round from Alabama. And, uh, yeah, he was actually the – I mean, well – probably the first full-time black center uh, to play in the National Football League. And uh, I started like maybe four or five games later and stuff after he started and stuff. But he's a, quite a guy. Quite yeah, a guy. Ray Donald, great player. I remember watching him. Great, great yeah. player. He, he and Chris Hinton, they they had a, a, a line with yeah. the, uh, the coach. I forget. Who was the quarterback? Was it Peyton, uh, the quarterback? Uh, I think that was pay, somebody with a P maybe in uh, Pago or something. Mike Pagel from Arizona State. Yeah. Mike Then they also hit that running back, was it McMillan? But they had a nice running back, too. For a while, remember Dickerson played with the coach? That's right. Eric was there, too. Yep. You're right. You're right. He was one of our guests on the show recently. Had a really powerful testimony to share. And, you know, um, we've talked a lot about the Hall of Fame and the Pro Bowl honors and the AFC O-Lineman of the Year, which I know you have a very long list 
of accolades and achievements, but one that really touched me that I wanted you to speak about was in the 90s, you were actually voted the NFL Man of the Year for your community service efforts and your excellence in playing. Can you talk to us uh, about that specific distinction and some of the community service endeavors that you are involved in today? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of all the awards and stuff. And this one right here is probably the one that closest to my heart and stuff. It's one that, it, yes, you have to be a good, a, a good player, a good football player and stuff, good athlete and doing the right things and all that. But also you have to be giving back to the community. And, uh, and when people recognize that, I mean, that, that was, I'm glad they saw that. And, uh, but it's something that's always been important to me, my mother and my father. You know, it's kind of like we, you know, in the community, They've always done things and, uh, you know, been been active. And I and I tried to do the same thing, too. So when I came down here, it was kind of like, how how do I how do I give back? And I also saw some of the older guys, Larry Little, you know, he had football camps and that more was doing things, too, as well. So I kind of patterned some of the things I did after what those guys were doing. And um, but it's something that's very uh, is that award is probably the one that that I'm the most proud of. And uh, and uh, and I, like I said, giving back to the community is something that's very, very important. Showing people that you care. I mean, I, I did. I, the community that I came from was not a very well-to-do community, but we did. We cared about one another. And uh, and so giving back, you know, that I wanted to do something like that. So and and I'm glad people recognize that. And I appreciate that. I really do. It is very evident to see that whatever you put your mind to, you do it in an exceedingly and abundantly exceptional way. So thank you for all of the memories on the field, of course, but truly for your endeavors off the field, because I know you've been able to transform many lives as a result of your commitment. Well, we don't that I do is like, when I go after something, I, I go after with everything I got and I just don't quit. And I mean, you might somebody might cut me or fire me, but I, I don't quit and stuff. So. Amen. That's a powerful lesson, and your life is truly evidence of that. Yeah, but thank you. Thank you. Quitting, quitting is simply not an option. It's not yep. an option. Yeah. And, and you know, what? thinking back on, on the 13 years that, uh, that I played, um, you know, in, in my mind, I would always see myself before every game. First of all, I, I studied every tape that we had. I knew everything about my opponent. I knew who what their kids' names were, where they were born, how right. many years they've been, what their sock. I tried to know as much as I could. I'd, I'd watch their techniques, you know, and I'd pick up little bits and pieces that would help me right. uh, in the game. And, and I would see myself successful. I would run the office of plays in my mind and I would see myself successful. So when I wasn't successful, I was like, what, what happened? I, that wasn't supposed to happen. How important yeah. is, is having that mindset uh, before you enter the athletic arena, seeing yourself successful? Right. And, and I do agree with that. I mean, always that coach shooters used to give us like the first four plays or whatever and stuff, no matter what, these are the four plays we're going to run. So I mentally, I kind of knew what I wanted to get done there. And then, uh, and just, you know, and, and was able to plan that out and, and know exactly what I wanted to do provided what the defense was going to uh, give us. But yeah, you're right. And you got to be able to imagine in the field. I mean, that I could I could see things. I could see what I wanted to get done on that football field out there and stuff. And uh, and then I worked to try to make it happen and stuff. But I could visualize that I literally and could see it happening on the football field and try to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing and one of the things I learned from you as a young lineman was the importance of quickness and leverage. Getting on that that point of attack, that aiming point as quickly as you can with good leverage. 
right. that gives you a distinct advantage over that that defensive lineman. I learned yeah. that from you watching you play. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I did. I tried. You know, I never was the biggest guy. I played like two fifty five or something, two two hundred fifty five pounds. So my whole thing was, I'm gonna get there. I'm going to deliver the blow, and I'm gonna get my feet moving, and I'm gonna I'm leverage. And like I say, you know, and I I didn't ever want them to hit me first. I mean, don't don't. T- I mean, I wanted wanted to deliver the lick, and then I go to work from there and stuff. And uh, but I um, I felt I had a huge advantage. I knew the snap count. Everybody on the offensive lineman, we know the snap count, and that's a huge advantage. And, I, and you got to use it to your advantage and stuff. And that's what I I did. I I tried to and. And try to have tenacity and you know stay after things and stuff. So and yeah. don't stop into the whistle, bro. Yeah, well, here here it is 30-something years later, and I and I'm still remembering, you know, the the fundamentals and then the, the techniques that, that I saw you perform and saw you successful and implemented it in my game and helped me play the 13 years. And of course, I was uh, proud, I'm proud to say that my peers selected me to represent them at the Pro Bowl as one of the best in the league for three Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Hey man, now I appreciate. I'm telling you now, the playing the left tackle, playing with you guys, I'm telling you now, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough world out there. You're playing in space. I'm telling you, you got guys that can run four fives or four sixes, and and get those. They're trying to get your feet moving real fast. It's 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 tough out there. It really is. See, in the center position, at least you know it's not like it's wide open or whatever stuff out there. It is. It's uh it's tough and. uh so I admire the guys. I admire the guys. I really do. I admire the tackles. I never got a chance. I never, And I got to show you this. I never got a chance, of course, playing with the Cardinals. We only made one playoff in the 13 years that I was there. It was the strike-shortened year, really? 1982, when everybody made the playoffs. Uh-huh. One of the things that really blessed me uh, in the 1990 Pro Bowl, and I'm going to show you this. Uh-huh. You'll, probably, you'll probably recognize this jersey. 1990 Pro Bowl. Oh, Lawrence. <laughs> LT and I were teammates. Okay. Yeah. Right. And we're coming off the field, and LT has his jersey and he throws it to me. Yeah. Says, Man, you're one of the few tackles that gives me problems in pass protection. And so he kind of uh, gave me this jersey in honor of right. the <laughs> he and I would fight. And, and that was really one of the highlights of my NFL career. And this shirt now is a family legacy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's a great story there. And that's kind of respect that Lawrence had for you that he at the end of the day, I mean, he threw his jersey to you stuff. That says a whole lot. Lawrence, I'm telling you now, was the best in business. He he did it better than uh, I think the, the probably most linebackers and stuff. It's the guys that, you know, maybe some days they were better. But I'm telling you, Lawrence Taylor was just unbelievable. He, uh, I love to watch him play, and uh, you know, so yeah, that says a whole lot right there, man. He had a lot of respect for you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and of course, you know, I, I respect him. Like you said, he's the greatest, inarguably yeah. the greatest. Changed completely how offense has ran their offense. Absolutely. If you did not account for Lawrence Taylor. You are not going to have an offense. Period. Yeah. You 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 turn around the quarterback and go to the line of scrimmage. All right, where is he at? You got to look at where he's at. Throw a rover in the middle. Everybody, yeah. the whole team had to know where it was, or else you just weren't going to be have any production on offense. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable talent. Now he was a special guy. Special guy. 
Absolutely. And do I believe you played in two Super Bowls down in Miami, correct? Yeah, we did. Okay, awesome. So obviously we're on the precipice of yet another Super Bowl. We've got kind of a changing of the guards with the, we, dad was talking about it um, last week. We've got the old school with Tom Brady going for his 10th Super Bowl game, which is just absolutely unrivaled. And then we've got Patrick Mahomes, right? The young guy who's come on the scene and has made an indelible impact in his even short career. So who do you have for the Super Bowl this year? I tell you, first of all, let me tell you, you got to take your hat off. Like you said, Tom Brady, the guy, <laughs> 10 Super Bowls is just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, he's worked at it and, and good for him. I tell you what, he's a special guy. And uh, and then you got the other guy on the other side there that seems to be, man, he's going to look like he's going to be hanging around those Super Bowls for uh, quite often too and stuff. And uh, it's just a, just a uncanny, just a, just a great talent and stuff. And uh, you know, I think it's going to be a good Super Bowl. And I do like, I do like, I I do like to. I got a favorite, and uh, you know, I Patrick Mahomes is is just a seems like just a good guy, man. He, uh, yeah. you know, just a good guy and stuff. And don't necessarily have to do things the way everybody say you have to do it. He does it kind of his own way, and, and it works. And you can do that as long as it works. If it don't work, then you better you <laughs> go back. Can you share with us any notable experiences or memories from playing in your Super Bowls? Not every day you get to talk to somebody that has been in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, Super Bowl, I mean, it is. I mean, that week and stuff is it's kind of like it's a blur. It goes by fast and stuff. But that game comes, and then it's all, you know, forget everything else. I mean, it's, you're, you're focusing on that game and stuff. And um, and we, we played the Redskins in uh, – uh, in Pasadena, I think it was, and that, and and we the first half we go in there, and I mean we we're, we're like we're doing pretty good. We feel good about our chances. I felt good about, it. and I was like, just let's just come out here the second half, and let's not make a whole lot of mistakes. We should be able to, you know, win this game here. We go back out there, literally, we don't we don't we change our game plan or go to something different anyway. And before we know it, I mean, they get to running that football, and we fall behind, and. Uh, but that was a that's one of those games that you know what I just felt like we blew it, and uh, but they were a good football team. And then the next game we uh, we played the 49ers, and they just they they scored every time I think they got the football. We scored like first three times, and then we just didn't keep up and stuff. And uh, and then they started rushing the pass, and that's when uh, Mike Carter and he didn't play a whole lot there because they just start rushing the pass and stuff. And uh, and uh, but it was it's one of those games that man you get there and you don't want to blow it. And then, you know, it's not that easy to come back. But I did think I would be back in the Super Bowl a couple more times. And we almost got back in there in like the following year, I think it was. But anyway, we, um, before I knew it, you know, I had a knee, knee injury and, and uh, that was it for, for me and stuff. And, uh, but uh, I'm hoping that the Dolphins, uh, we, you know, we're going in the right direction. I just hope we get back in there soon and stuff. So. Well, you got, you got a good coach. You got a, an excellent coach and a young quarterback. Um, uh, and they seem to be to be building something special. The two teams you played in the Super Bowl against were Washington and for a uh, Washington football team and the 49ers. That's great. Yep. Okay. Yep. They were both, they were, uh, yep. And um, 49ers, they were, you know, Joe Montana and Roger Craig just had a big day. Went, you know, they, they, they were a really good football team, the 49ers and stuff. And uh, I thought we were a good football team too and stuff, but. They did. They kind of just poured it on. And Roger Craig, I thought at that time, I I thought he was like the best football player in the National Football League. He could run the ball. He could catch the ball. He blocked. I mean, he did. He did a lot of things. And uh, 
And uh, he had a big day against us that day too, as well and stuff. So great, yeah. great, great player, and an equally great person too, Roger Craig. Yeah, yeah, Roger yeah. Craig. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So, oh, I'm, go sorry, ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, always it's nice to hear you kind of recall some of those experiences that you had at the yeah. Super Bowl, and I, I want to just ask you because I know that you have mentioned your parents who were very hardworking and set an incredible example for you and your seven siblings. And on here on Sharp Talk, obviously, uh, my dad and I we talk about football clearly. Yeah. Uh, faith and, and friendship and fun, but we also like to talk about family. And so can you right. talk about the importance um, of your family, both your, your parents and your siblings, but even your wife and your children? And let us know a little bit more about the people behind the man, Dwight Stevenson, and how um, what kind of impact they've had on your life. Okay. Well, I mean, again, uh, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I made a great, my mother and my father, I lost my father then about 15 years ago to huh. asbestos. Uh, you know, he he was uh yeah he tracked long cancer from that and uh but he was, he was a big part of my life we are a very close family we still are very close today and stuff i mean we don't we get together all the time and uh they come support me and i try and i try to go to them and support them and whatnot but we're very close as a family and stuff and uh, my wife's family is pretty much the same way and stuff so we we've always i've had big support great support and um uh, and then, uh, but yeah, that's also helped us through those times. I can remember when we were growing up. I mean, it wasn't like you went to work. If I went cut grass and uh, did that, or I had the job, we all worked when we were growing up. But the money kind of all came to the house, and you know, you kind of, you know, kind of gave it to your mother, or you might have kept a dollar too, or something like that. If she, you know, but it pretty much we went. It was all in the family, it was all in the kitty, and we all worked together. And we, we, we still, we still do today. <laughs> I talked to my sister this morning. I mean. We're very close as a family and stuff. And then my family, uh, you know, like I said, my my son, uh, he's up in Chicago. He has uh, two children and uh, he has a third one on the way. My daughter, she adopted five kids and then wow. she had just had her own child uh, about a year ago. No, going on two years ago now. So she has six kids and my son, he has, uh, he's going, his wife is expecting their third child. And then my youngest son, he's uh, he's not he's not married yet. So he uh, but again, family is very, very important to us. My wife, she tried to stress that and and we try to make sure that's the case and stuff. And, uh, you know, try to be there for one another. Try to be there for one another. That is tremendous. That is tremendous. And uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Rebecca. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, family is important. And, and you know, one of the things that, that we want to talk about and transitioning into the importance of faith and what how, what that means to you yeah. and and the, the God that we believe uh, he instituted uh, the the faith the family and mm -hmm. he instituted the man to be the head of his family and and obviously we have a responsibility uh, to be who it is that he called us to be so that we can have uh, successful productive uh, family members and you're talking about your children and, and their children. And that's a direct result of you and, and your wife. So talk to us a little bit about faith and what it means to you. Yeah, faith is um, something that's very important and from early on in, in life and stuff. My, my grandfather was a preacher. My <laughs> father's uh, grandfather was a preacher. So religion has been always a big part and faith been a big part of us uh, as a family and, you know, us individually and stuff. So uh, we uh, 
but growing up, we attended church and you attended vacation Bible school. You, you did those things and stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and did it called pretty much my mother and my father. I mean, you, you did it and they, they attended church and then, you know, I got to understand it better and stuff. And I know that you no, know, the things that have happened to me, I mean, God, only God could do and stuff. It's been times where I'm like, boy, that was a dangerous situation there. A situation wasn't too smart for me to be there. What, and only know I, I'm like, only God could have seen me through those situations there and stuff that they didn't turn out really bad for me and stuff. And, uh, and then certain things that, you know, only God could help me get through them and stuff. I, I, I don't expect life to be easy. I don't expect, uh, things to, uh, you know, necessary to be pretty and, and rosy and very comfortable. I know that there are going to be some challenges and, uh, and I just, I want the faith and I want the strength to, to make it through those things and stuff. And, uh, and I try to tell my, my, try to stress that to my kids and my family too, that, Hey, you know what? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have appreciation. Uh, don't feel as though, you know, I mean, it's whatever you got, you're going through someone else. I just believe me, it's going through something a lot worse and they would, they would love to have your situation and stuff. So, um, an attitude of, of gratitude an attitude yeah. of gratitude. And like you said, there've been so many situations where if there had not been a God, I certainly I would not be here today to testify about his goodness, about his protection, yeah. about his peace, about his deliverance, everything to do with my life. My children, my daughter, by the way, is ordained minister through oh, international awesome. ministry. Yeah. Very proud of that. She's got a gift of sharing the good news and, and piercing the hearts and letting people know that uh, he is uh, the way, the truth and the life. That's what we're called to do. The Great Commission. So yeah, right. God is uh, is awesome, and He's been very good to our entire family. Right. So God, God makes all things possible, and uh, we need to need to let them know we appreciate it, and uh, not just when things are going well. You know, you got to let them know you appreciate it when things you know when things are challenging for you and stuff, and uh, just all the things that happened to us in the last year with the you know with the coronavirus and all the other things that are going on out here and stuff. You know, we it's very easy to go and say find a reason to not do the right thing. Uh, you know, you just got to, you know, got to believe in him and, uh, and stay on the straight and narrow. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for sharing that. That was very heartening. So in this world, we will have trouble, but we can take heart because he has indeed overcome the world. I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the endeavors that you are up to in the present day. Obviously, we've talked a lot about just the litany and plethora um, of decoration that you received as a football player, but you have found even greater purpose in your retirement from football. Can you talk to us about what you're up to today? Sure, sure. You know, when when I went in the National Football League, I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to play football for the rest of my life. And I thought maybe coaching might be a direction, that, you know, to, to, to go. And uh, so I was kind of like that was a possibility. But when I retired, I kind of got involved. I, I hurt my knee and then I was like, so I need I, I knew I need to find something else to, to keep going and keep growing. And, you know, life goes on and stuff. So I did. I, I got involved with a guy that owned a construction company and and. Um, just wanted to learn the business and get out there and, you know, and get so people would have respect for me. They didn't, I didn't want them to go around. Oh, that's just Dwight Stevenson. And yeah, he has, you know, just living off his name. I wanted them to have the respect. And so when I tell him, Hey, you know, it's 36 inches. The two, the, uh, I want him to have respect. Hey, he knows the business and that sort of thing. So yeah. and uh, I don't know that much about the business because it's so much to learn. It's so vast, but 
I, that's what I was trying to do at first. And then me, uh, and then the coach shooter talked to me. And he, and he said, Hey, why don't I consider coaching? And I said, coach, I said, the game's changed. Change. I said, I've been out like a couple of years. I said, the game has changed and so forth and so on. I said, I don't think I don't probably pass me back. He said, I don't hear that. I, something like that. I said, and then he said, "Would you think about it tonight?" He called me in the morning. And I went home and I talked it over with my wife, and I said, "You know what? This is something that you know the coach would coach done to coach in the National Football League is not something that take lightly." And, and then not only that, but the coach would have a chance to coach with Coach Don Shooter. That's awesome. And uh, so I did. I took it up uh, for a year, but I had already made commitments in the construction business, and I had people employed and so forth and so on. So I kind of did it for a year, and then I went back and. Uh, you know, to the construction business. And, and um, right now what we're doing, we're, we're still in the same name, same construction company and stuff. We've been in business for 29 years. We employ about 33 people. We, uh, we do a lot of schools, airport work. Uh, you find out of Fort Lauderdale, you probably flew out, you know, we've something that we built there and stuff. We, we do uh, right now, we get ready to, we get ready to break ground on uh, where we get, we're doing a, Quite a bit of work downtown in the downtown area there with uh, with the Overtown Youth Center there and stuff. We're doing work there, but we uh, most of our work is in South Florida. But we we're trying to build a good company so people can take care of their families, so that we can uh, you know build quality uh, construction companies and stuff, uh, quality construction project, and uh, be a quality company and stuff. So that's it's important to us. We want to protect our reputation. That is awesome. That is tremendous. And it sounds like a lot of the uh, the fundamentals and a lot of the lessons that you learn uh, growing up in Alabama and going on to the university and playing in the NFL are, are some of the same uh, principles that you institute in making you the successful businessman that you are. Yeah, yeah we, we're working at it. Like I said, we just don't give up. We keep pushing. And, uh, you know, we, we do have good teams, uh, good teammates and stuff. And, uh, and we... Uh, you know, we kind of feel like feel we like a family around here too, and stuff. Where we work to support one another, and uh, and football. I mean, being involved in construction comes very much like a football team. You can't do it all by yourself. You can't. You're gonna have subcontractors. You're gonna have people to work for you. You gotta you gotta be able to manage them. And certain people have certain responsibilities. You need to make sure that they're doing what they need to do, and you know, and try to keep the uh, what the morale of the company right. And you're trying to. You know, you got bankers, you got to be also, you got to be accountable to. So it's a, it's a lot of different pieces uh, to, to go into being a successful con construction company. And um, and I the reason I thought that this was probably a good profession for me, a good, uh, was because in South Florida, they really didn't have a, we, we were trying to put together, uh, what did I say, they didn't really have a minority, a black company that was, you know, that was with the resources and the things to, to do, to do a good, uh, to do the work down here and stuff, they weren't getting the opportunities then. Wow. And, and we said, well, you know what, we're going to put this together and we're going to go knock on the doors and we, we, you, they, it won't be because, uh, people not, uh, companies like ours are not asking for it. We're going to be asking for the work and looking for the work. And, uh, we've been fortunate. We, we, we've been able to grow the company and, uh, you know, we've been able to, you know, uh, just been able to grow the company. I mean, you know, people, I think they can take care of their families and, and you, I don't want them to come here and say, well, if they go to one of those bigger companies, they can get better this, better that. I want them to be able to have the same, same thing that they, that they can get at those other companies. They can get here at D Stevenson construction. So. 
inspiring, 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 uh, yes. Dwight. And, and thank you for for all you do for the the marginalized and, and less fortunate. It sounds like uh, in your community that that's very important. And you know, I want to digress. Um, I remember when we played. Remember, we had two strikes, and we were yes. fighting for a percentage of the gross and unfettered free agency. A player of your caliber today would be making what? 15, 16 million dollars a year, you think? Hey, you know, Lewis, uh, both, of, both of us would be doing really well. <laughs> both of us. Yes, Let me tell you, we, you know, you, you see what the guys are making these days, and it's like it's unbelievable. And uh, you're not jealous of them or envious of it, but you know what? You, you, it does make you think. It's like, well, what would you have made? What would I have made back in our day and stuff? Uh, yeah. if, if, this, if the money and things were uh, the way it is today and stuff. Uh, but you got to be happy with the guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and wish them well. Wish them well. Yeah. Absolutely. Wish them well. And and it's, uh, it was on our, our sacrifice because we did go out on strike and all the game checks. Uh, and a lot of players were cut because of their union activities. That's right. So, you know, we uh, built the, the, the framework uh, for the benefits, not only the salaries, but the benefits. Man, they have uh, insurance uh, up to five years after they retire. Uh, yeah. Their pension plan is incredible. I think they get $600 uh, per credit season. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. The they, someone else told me, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, too, I mean, you know, Jack and Slater, he was telling me what they, they, what these guys, it was just unbelievable. And, uh, but you know, it's, uh, and I guess when we were coming up, the guys that came before us, you know, 10 or 15 years before we came up, they, they were like, man, you guys are really making money. And I think one guy even told me that and stuff. And, uh, that, you know, one of the linemen, great linemen, uh, so you guys really making money there. Because a hundred thousand dollars was like the new benchmark for an offensive lineman. Uh, when, I was, when I first came in the league, and I didn't get that hundred thousand dollars, but I think Larry Little might have been, you know, these guys that were just getting up there, getting over that, and uh, you know, and they should, and those guys should have been making a lot of money. And like you said, we stand on those guys' shoulders. I'm telling you, when they, I remember one time they were guys that paid in pre fifty nine, they were getting like twenty dollars in a credit a season and stuff. It was just terrible. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I felt for the guys and stuff. And, uh, and before you know it, you know, you, you're out the league and stuff. And, you know, after nine years, and you see, you're going to do something, need to do something. Need to, before you know it, you're out the league. And then once you're out the league, it's not, you know, it's like, you know, you're gone. You're gone. So. Yeah, but it is great. It is great to see uh, them enjoying the, the fruits of, uh, of many years of, of those that uh, sacrificed um, and, uh, and gave up so much. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing, Rebecca. I'm yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, as we've talked and this interview has been very enlightening and I love your perspective to what you definitely always come, you have that higher level, um, approach to so many things and it is very inspiring and very encouraging. And so I, I want to ask you, you've had such an iconic impact both on the field and you've continued into phenomenal success off of the field. What do you desire for your legacy to be? You know, my legacy, I do want people to feel as though I, I did. I, uh, you know, uh, I was an unselfish player. I wanted, uh, as far as football, I was unselfish. I went out there and tried to do the best I could, you know, the, to to be the best football player I could on the field and stuff. But not just football player, but, you know, an individual, being an individual, being a good person too and stuff. So I want people to feel as though I was, uh, you know, I was uh, – uh, 
I mean, I was hardworking. I was honest about what I what I was trying to get done. And uh, sometimes now, uh, like even when I'm, you know, like now, I, what I do now, I mean, I really want people to, I don't want them to feel like this is all about money and, and trying to be, you know, be scrounging for every nickel dime I can. And I want them to feel as though we, we are trying to build a great company here. And we are trying to help people and stuff and, and help them feed their families and stuff. I really want that to be the case and stuff. And, um, and, and, and the, and the community, like the black community here, I want them to feel as though D Stevens and construction, when we go out and we get a contract, I mean, we are sharing and uh, giving the other guys contracts that they normally, that they wouldn't have gotten the opportunities probably. So yeah. I want that to happen. And I want people to know, I mean, we, we are trying to, trying to be, trying to, trying to make the sacrifices to do what it takes to be the best. So. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being a trailblazer and for not only fulfilling your dreams, but for really being a dream fulfilled for so yeah. many. I know one of my dad's greatest heroes as well. So this is a really special moment for us to be able to share in this dialogue. And Dwight, I know several people have mentioned it on the comments, but you are just very friendly and, and humble and so kind. Um, and it, I'm, I'm happy for you that you are the type of person who has achieved such incredible success because I can tell that you really deserve it. Um, so thank you for just allowing us to to see the, the twinkle of your star on this Sharp Talk episode today. Well, I appreciate it. Let me say, Lewis, you look great, man. I'm going to tell you, you look great. <laughs> he was waiting for one. man. I uh, I be watching your Facebook. I don't comment a whole lot because my my daughter say, "Dad, what do you be saying and stuff?" So she scares me about Facebook. So I don't so I don't say much in anything. But I be, you look good, man, and good to see you working out, man, and and you, you're an inspiration to us other offensive linemen as well as football players. You know, you, you look great. I never would say you would. You know, at your habits, where were you like two eighty maybe when you played? I played at, I played at 305, 310 in my head. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, you're man. That size now. You know, and, and you look and you look awesome. You yeah. don't look like you're 62, 63 years old. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I tell you what, I uh, I I got I got it. I'm I'm here. I'm I got to work on my weight though, man. I'm 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 not as light as I need to be and stuff. But uh, but I feel good. Thank God, no problem. But you do look great, man. I'm telling you, there's inspiration, and uh, you know, you stay after it, man. Stay after it. I appreciate that, and that's going to inspire me to continue to do what I. And that's one of the reasons I post is just to be a. a you know, an, an inspiration to former players, and yeah. we're, we're the we're the most iconic, the most revered uh, uh, spectator sport known to man. Let's represent ourselves physically as such. We right. don't have to retire and sit up and feel sorry for ourselves and eat and not right. exercise and woe is me. And if I was playing now, look at the money I would be making. Take care of your physical being. Yeah, um, I man, you look great. That's a good story, man. That's awesome, there stuff. Yeah. Hey, listen, you now 245. That's good. I mean, I know some guys I play with, they're pushing 350, 400. <laughs> yeah. as, as you speak. So, 245, that's what you weigh right now, right? Yeah, yeah, but 245, 250 ish. I'm this morning, I think I was at two, two, 250 there. So, um, but I, uh, but I try to get, I try not to get up in the, I try to stay below that 50 there and stuff. But, uh, sometimes I go out and have a big weekend. So, yeah. And you were you were you told me you got up to what three ten and you that was yeah. you. I did. I got up to, after I retired, probably about twenty years ago. I got up like three hundred thirty pounds, and I'm like, I could not believe I was that big. And I didn't feel bad. I tell you, I didn't have any you know soaps, anything, uh, breathing problems. Thank God. 
And I said, you know what? I can't believe this. And uh, and so I just said, you know what? I'm going to stop. I mean, I cut back on stuff. And I like, you know, beer drinking or whatever and stuff. And I never was a big beer, beer drinker. But if you did, I just cut out that and stuff and, and try to eat a little better and stuff. And I have. I've come down like about 60 pounds and stuff. And uh, and I do work out. I do get up and get to do something every day and stuff. So. And, well, you know, that's tremendous. And I'm sure there are some former players that are going to watch this interview and they're going to listen to this part of the interview and this conversation. And that's going to motivate and inspire them. Man, if Dwight Stevenson and me and Louis Shaw, if they can do it. If they're, why can't I do it? They'll go out there and get the movement and start thinking about what they're eating, how much they're eating, and, and hopefully, you know, bring some physical improvement to their individual lives. I think you're right, man. I think it's a good, uh, good way to go. Good way to do it. Absolutely. One, one final question. I have to ask you this. Yeah. What are your thoughts about today's offensive lineman as far as uh, as technique and, and basic fundamentals um, as opposed to, to when we play? What what are your thoughts? You know, I, I just don't see the explosion off the football. I don't see, you know, people attacking off the football. Uh, but I do think that these guys, are big, they're big and they are fast. And, uh, you know, uh, and uh, but you know just some of the, the explosion that you know I thought we did when we were coming up and stuff like that. Uh, I just don't see that and the quickness trying to trying to be the first one there and getting off the ball at the same time, uh, operating as one unit. You know it's it's uh, it's not not like it was back then and stuff. But I do think that these guys are capable. Man, they they're some good looking athletes and um, you know they they run well and you know and. Uh, and and the game the game has changed so much too. It's more passing, of course. When we came up, we uh, with the Dolphins, I think sixty percent of our at least probably about seventy percent of what we did was run. We ran the football. Now it's more passing and stuff, and that's the rules and everything allowed more passing and stuff. But had, and it changed too with Marino. We went from then we were throwing the ball like 80 percent of the time and stuff. We throw a pass and run a play every every once in a while and stuff. But yeah. the game has changed, and uh, the rules are such as they are. I mean, in the offensive line, I think I've adjusted with that, too. And, you know, the run blocking is not the way it used to be and stuff. So. Well, one of the things I really enjoyed about playing, and we I played with Jim Hannafin. Uh, he was my right. coach, and he was one of the greater offensive linemen. And our mentality in St. Louis was you, make, you force a guy from point A to point B against his will, and uh-huh. – and you don't even have to get in trouble for it. There are no criminal charges for making a man move against his will from point A to point B. You wear, you, down, you wear him down, you impose your will against him, and then that makes it a little easier on the pass block, pass protection. It does, man. Pass protection. We, we, when you had a pass and play, that was like a break. <laughs> it really was. It was like, we, I mean, like uh, Woodley or whatever. Hey, man, let's throw the ball. Throw the ball. You know, one time you give us a break because that run blocking, man, it takes a whole lot out of you. Whole it, it takes even more out of that defensive lineman when you're pounding them and uh, putting up four or five yards every play. You know, you break their will with that uh, that run game. One yep. final question. One final question. I know I said that before. Your thoughts <laughs> like on the block, the blockbuster trade. The Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the L.A. Rams. They received two number one picks, a third rounder, and Jared Goff's. Your thought quickly on that blockbuster trade. You know, I, I I got I have to look at that because I saw it too, and I'm not I really haven't seen it. I, Stafford, I thought he was kind of like he's hurt every year. Not that uh, you know, but I was like, man, I just didn't I didn't I haven't studied that deal. I like to see everything they gave up as well as uh, why they did it. 
I was I was really surprised. I was really surprised. Yeah, and now you know there's a, a talk of De Deshaun Watson moving from, from Houston. Imagine yeah. if Stafford, if Matthew Stafford is worth two first round picks and a third rounder and a former number one draft pick. Imagine what Deshaun Deshaun Watson, yeah. uh, a proven top five quarterback, what he'll be worth in, in a I trade. Agree. Interesting to watch. I mean, the guys. I mean, I think it's every like the, his quarterback rating is. Like every year, one of the top ratings for like the last three or four years, I think. And uh, but he's a guy that uh, he's a franchise player, no question. Everybody know that and stuff. He he can go he can go to a team and make a difference. He can go there and automatically that team can become a I mean become a powerhouse. Provided they got some defense and stuff. The guy, Absolutely. yeah, he's a no, he's that kind of player and stuff. So and now we 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 we're in, we're in Miami. I don't know. I don't want to touch that subject there and stuff. And uh, but. Uh, we got uh, we got our team and uh, yeah I don't know what they what they're thinking I haven't talked to anybody over there and stuff so but I I hope Watson all the best and stuff I really do he's a, he's a nice guy Amen Amen Well thank you so much This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation with the iconic Dwight Stevenson We're a little envious that you are in sunny Miami right now with a lot of our family um, our Cuban family down there But you all be okay. safe. Yeah Take care of yourself. We look forward to chatting with you again soon. And please thank your wife. I know yesterday she was working with us trying to mitigate the technical difficulties, but it all worked out. So we are really blessed by your presence today. Thank you very much. We thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And Lewis, I mean, I, I really appreciate you, man, taking time and talking to me and getting me on your show. I appreciate it. And Rebecca, you, you're wonderful. You did a wonderful job and stuff. And uh, oh, thank you, man. when you're in town down here in Miami and stuff, look me up, man. Give me, uh, give me a holler. You got my numbers and stuff, okay? I will. I'll give you a holler. We'll go work out. We'll go eat some Cuban food. I don't like Espanol. Do you know any Spanish? Yes. Si, si. Mucho, mucho. Espanol. Yo soy cubano. I'm Cuban. Born yeah, Cuba. yeah. But no, I, yeah, I like Cuban food, man. I uh, Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I and I go through a spell where I eat it all the time and then I get away from it, and then I get back to it. But no, I like it. It helps you in, trust me, we know. Okay. <laughs> right, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. Uh this was on my bucket list to meet, to meet, but to talk for a whole hour to the great Dwight Stevenson, someone that I modeled my game after. Man, what a joy. God is good. God is good. Thank you so much uh for joining right. us. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh engaging the conversation today. Thank you very much. You got it. I appreciate you guys, okay? All right. All right. Stay Take safe. Care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. Well, that was wonderful having Dwight on the show today. I did want to just update everyone that we are now streaming Sharp Talk on Apple, Spotify, and we're moving into new territory. So God is good. He's opening doors for us. And Dad, I know today was a dream fulfilled for you. So glad we were able to make it happen. And just looking forward to uh, many more great things to come from Charles. Like, hey, Grandma, you're on. <laughs> all right. So may the Lord bless you all and keep you. Ready. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, those that uh, are viewing. And uh, just a reminder, uh, we're excited. We're going to have Gregory Kelser. Gregory is the current color commentator for the Detroit Pistons. He is uh, Detroit's uh, favorite basketball son, uh, son, Henry Ford High School graduate. Uh, went on to play at Michigan State with the likes of uh, Magic Johnson, uh, won an NCAA championship in 1979, I believe. So we're excited to have him on Sharp Talk, I think, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday evening. Be sure to tune in. Absolutely. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he be gracious to you. 
lift up the light of his countenance unto you and give you shalom, peace. Be well, family. We look forward to seeing you guys again soon. Bye-bye.